welcome to episode 335 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Monday, 17th of July, 2023. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. On today's show, I'm discussing cargo bike use with a couple of Swiss academics revealing findings from their new study. I'm Carlton Reed, and I'm joined by Patrick Rirat and Virginie Lurkin from HEC Lausanne at the University of Lausanne. They are two of the three researchers behind the Potential for Cargo Bikes report. While it's a Swiss study, it has relevance for other countries too. Virginie and uh, Patrick, uh, maybe Virginie first, could you just describe uh, what you do at the uh, University of Lausanne? Yes, sure. So I'm professor of uh, mainly mobility and logistics. So within the HEC, that the business school of University of Lausanne, um, and I'm working within the operation department, uh, mainly using quantitative method to do so. And and. Patrick, so what do you do also at the University of Lausanne? So I'm a professor of Geography of Mobilities. Um, I'm the co-director of the UVEMA, which is the Academic Observatory for Cycling and Active Mobilities. And I've, I've, I've looked on, on UVEMA's website, and the Scientific Committee of 18 professors, Geography, History, Law, Medicine, Operation Management, Political Science, Psychology, Public Health, Sociology, tourism and and even more because then etc there so that's an incredible spread of specialities yeah we founded the ubema um, two or three years ago and a lot of colleagues uh, were interested in the project uh, so we aim to foster interdisciplinarity research and to to work together to make all these people work together and maybe if I can say a few words about the UVEMA, uh, we are not only a research center, but we want to build uh, close links with the civil society. Uh, we organize webinars, we communicate around our research, we try to co-design research projects with advocates, for example. Okay. And it's it's would I be right in thinking an awful lot of it is behavior change? So getting people to actually... St- start or increase their walking and cycling and and other active modes? Yeah, that has been the main focus. Uh, We have other subjects like policies, planning and health, but behaviour change has been the major uh, focus, uh, like in this project on cargo bikes. Mm. And how much, because walking often gets to be the the poor relation uh, in, in mobility research, um, so, or in, in, in just in, in, in political discourse in, in general, and it's cycling takes the lion's share. So how big is walking compared to cycling in uh, Uvma? Um, well, Uvma is a bottom-up approach, so it depends also on the people. Um, 
who are part of it, and it depends also on um, on funding. So now I would say that the majority of research uh, address cycling, but we have, for example, a PhD student working on public space and the diversity on public space. Okay, and I'd like to ask. But before we get into the, the paper you've got, which is the potential of cargo bikes, before we get into that, I would like to ask both of you, and I'll, I'll start with uh, Virginia on this one, and that is uh, academics who are involved in something like this, which is almost advocacy. You're almost promoting something, and that's not, you're not being like a... I'm trying to be very delicate here. So you're not trying to be a, 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 a like a dispassionate academic here, even though you're, I'm sure your academic work is, but you're also partially an advocate. So how do you square that circle of being a researcher? But at the same time, if you're, if you're trying to affect uh, behavior change, that is advocating for something. How do you, how do you ma- meet those two? Uh, interesting question. I think it's it's a challenge, right? Because as a researcher, I I don't think the first let's say mission is to advocate, but more to get to more no, more knowledge and more insights and and solutions to current uh, problems. Being professor and so researcher in transportation, of course, it's directly related to also um, society, right? I mean, we we. We do research on transportation and then, of course, on uh, how to make it more sustainable given the current challenges that uh, the world is facing. So personally, I think it's it's um, if, if you do good research and you communicate um, about it in a way that also uh, it reaches society, then, of course, you advocate for it, right? So th- then there is also, I, I do believe in the power of whole models, so... I'm trying uh, as much as possible to to adopt myself what uh, what uh, I think helps, but it's of course not always easy. But so I, I would say this right by uh, by uh, talking about it, also trying to have impact in research and not only uh, academic publications, but also communicate about the topic in the news and so on. I think it helps to advocate. Mm. And and Patrick, how how do you square that circle? Um, well, I don't consider myself as an advocate or as an activist. Uh, then, of course, a researcher is not uh, um, neutral. I mean, uh, if I'm interested in cargo bikes, it's also because for me, uh, I wanted to know uh, if it's a it has a nice potential uh, to replace cars, for example. But I think that my role as, as a researcher is to be uh, rigorous, uh, to be transparent on methods, on uh, interpretation, and to make my uh, research available. So that's how I see the, my role and the one of the of the UVMA. And and those people who are maybe opposed to active mobility, people who maybe want to ca- carry on motoring generally, who then say activist academics are not independent, what do you say to them? I mean, for me, I agree with Patrick, right? I don't think we are uh, supposed to be activists. And if we are, it's more on our personal uh, choice rather than um, academics. Um, then I think it's important to do research on the motivation of people, right? Because it's only by 
understanding um, the motivation, for instance, why some people are not willing to use active mo active modes, then you can better understand the motivation and then you can better um, find solutions even for those people with like appropriate policies or... I mean, I don't believe that there are people against active mobility. I do believe that uh, there are reasons for some people to prefer like other mode of transport and so we need to work on making uh, the right alternatives so that they, they 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 go for like active mobility but i don't think it's like a position as such okay so your, your paper here so the, the potential for cargo bikes first of all um it it, it, it is switzerland where that you've done this um uh survey of 2000 uh, cargo bike uh, owners and users um but uh, is it applicable elsewhere do you think that even though it's a swiss study this would be uh, transferable uh, some of the findings to other global cities well i think it is because um it's not a, a high cycling country like the netherlands or or, or denmark um, in Dutch cities and Danish cities, we know that cargo bags have been very popular for a long time. In Switzerland, that's something uh, new. And uh, we have also very big differences between uh, cities and regions in Switzerland. The French-speaking part mm. um, cycle much less than the German-speaking one. Uh, so I think that we have a, an intermediate country for cycling and which makes this case study interesting. And maybe another interesting point for Switzerland is that we have cargo bikes owners, but we have also a lot of sharers uh, with a program at the national scale. And to compare uh, both uh, public or users, that's quite interesting. So you, you, in, in the paper, you, you talk about how um, safety is one of the determinants. And, and and one of the things that get more people on bikes and cargo bikes is that the, the, the safer it is, the more infrastructure there is, the more likelihood people will be on bikes of whatever flavor. But going slightly backwards, and what you've just said there, in that the, the French-speaking uh, population uh, uses bikes um, less than the German-speaking population, is that in places where there is the same kind of infrastructure. So it literally is a cultural difference, not uh, a, a concrete tracks difference. Um, no, it, it really um, refers to the, to the condition of, to the cycling condition and to safety. Uh, we did other research projects and we could show very big differences in terms of perceived safety between the French-speaking part and the German-speaking part. And why is it so? Uh, it's because um, in the German part, they have taken measures to uh, calm down traffic like 20 kilometers or 30 kilometer zone much earlier than in the French-speaking part. And the same for cycling infrastructure. It's not the same to cycle in the German part than in the French-speaking part. Um, but the French-speaking part is trying to catch up. And uh, in, in your study, um, you've, in, you've basically you've interviewed 2,000 people. H how did you get those 2,000 people? Uh, for the first part on their 
understanding motivation profile barriers of uh, car bike owners and sharers, we, we have a bit less than a thousand. Uh, the more than 2000 is for the studies on commercial use, but uh, we, we got them through different uh, diffusion lists. So some like local uh, biking, cycling uh, association, um, then our own network also, of course. Um, and, and did you differentiate between electric cargo bikes and old school non-electric cargo bikes? Was there anything in the study that, that drilled down into that? So we asked them if uh, they had the e-bike or normal bike. And um, it appears that almost ninety percent were like e-cargo bikes, mm. Mm. and I think it is it is a it is an important uh, reason why we we see this increase in in cargo bikes. It's also because of the electric assistance. Mm. That's 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 quite a significant statistic. So basically, electrifying, adding assistance, not 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 pure. You know, it's not a motorbike, but adding some assistance clearly has boosted, absolutely boosted the take up of cargo bikes. Yes, yes, definitely. But especially, I think in a <laughs> in cities like we have in Switzerland, that uh, you have quite some um, uh, steep streets. Right? This is a this is a quite a mountain landscape. So, so without electrical assistance, I think there would be some street that you mm. cannot simply biking a cargo bike with like children or, or groceries on it. Mm. But I think it's true. It's true also for like countries like uh, Netherlands that are more flat countries that definitely the boom can also be explained by the the development in electrical assistance. Mm. Yeah. And then the cargo bikes can be, and, and, and one of the first photographs in your study, in fact, is basically the box bikes um which which carry children and then you have cargo bikes that carry cargo and 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 literally carry goods so are you differentiating between those two things because they're you know they're, they're very it's like a, a car carrying a children and a van carrying goods they're two very very different things so how did you differentiate those things well for ownership of cargo bike um we have mainly families so we could say that it's um, it's a family bike. Mm. Uh, almost eighty uh, percent of the respondents uh, are families, and to uh, to carry children is an important motivation for them. Uh, to carry children to the kindergarten, to the nursery, uh, to go shopping or to go for rides. Uh, it's not only motivations; it's also uh, actual uses. Um, so when we speak about Owning a cargo bike, it's really uh, mainly referring to having a family bike. Then when we have um, cargo bike sharing, it might be uh, between friends or neighbors or uh, with a specific program, national program, or uh, in, a, in, a, in a company. It's more um, uh, a less frequent use and more related to... Uh, carrying bulky items mm. so it's true that cargo bikes is quite uh, it's not a homogeneous uh, practice we have a private or a company uh, practice you have own ownership or uh, sharing mm. and then a, 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 a clearly 
a strong part of of your report and something that is often talked about is how owning a cargo bike or sharing a cargo bike reduces car trips. So y- you think you've measured this and and you can you can put a, a, a figure on on this as long as the 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 environment is okay. I think it's important to to say that 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 I I like that you use the word trips, right? I I do think the the idea is to um, reduce maybe car trips or let's say you have a substitution. But what we have seen, I think for me, one of the main learning is that the substitution is like to own a second car, for instance. So we have quite some respondents who said that by buying a cargo bag, they uh, renounced to the idea of buying a second car or even a first car. Um so, so that's quite interesting. So you, you of course also have substitution effects with the uh, other transport modes, but it, it has indeed potential to reduce either the ownership of a second car or like buying a new car or like trips that were made by cars. Yes. And what is difficult to measure actually is you have, um, trip substitution. Um, but half of the people, half of the households we interviewed, um, are carefree. So they don't they don't own a car. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of these households uh, decided to uh, sell their car. Uh, some decided not to buy one, and some others um, could go on living without a car thanks to the cargo bike. So um, the question is rather easy about um, uh, the impact of cargo bike, but the answer is quite uh, complex. What we can say as well is that in our sample, half of the households don't have a car. And if we have a look at Switzerland, it's only 21%. And if we have a look at families in Switzerland, it's only 7% mm. who are car-free. Mm. So we have hints, but not a, a quantified uh, answer to that. Mm. Uh, and have you drilled into the socio-economic backgrounds of cargo bike owners and users, because I, I'm not too sure what it'll be like in Switzerland, but certainly in the UK and in the big cities in 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 the US as well, you know, there's a perception. It might not be reality, but there's certainly a perception that somebody, uh, certainly carrying children on one of these relatively expensive cargo bikes, are going to be r- relatively rich, probably middle class, and yes, will probably have more than one car. Uh, 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 sitting back at home. So, is have you done any research on who these people are in socio-economic terms? Yes, and it's true, right? So, it's still uh, mainly young adults, uh, aged between let's say thirty and fifty, um, mostly family families and and um, high socio-economic status. So, I think we we got like eighty university graduates, which is a uh, of course, not representative of the entire country. Um, also, more people living in urban or uh, suburban areas. So I think this is still also the case. Uh, but so I, I agree with the, the first part of your statement, right? Quite uh, privileged people. Um, but but not for, for the cars, I... I um, it doesn't seem that it's it's like household in which they, there was a lot of cars. Mm. So the, when 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 a, a poorer family will often own a car, it, it might take a, a huge part of their their budget, but they will own a car for aspirational 
reasons. And they tend not to have a cargo bike, perhaps even for the same reasons in that, you know, they, they want the car. They don't want a cargo bike because the cargo bike is seen as a bit maybe not, you know, something that a working class person would use. But do you need to have the, so this is not so much in this research here, but just in the future, do you need the use of cargo bikes are going to have to broaden out to more um, social classes? Because you can't just have it, you know, a small section of, of the privileged dotting around on cargo bikes. You've got to have lots of people if we're going to get rid of, if we're going to reduce car use. Yes, but it's still a new phenomenon. And we launched the survey one year ago, and uh, in one year, a lot of things have changed. For example, the rise of uh, of long tail. Mm. I don't know if it's popular in other countries, but it's becoming a big thing here in Switzerland. That's uh, bikes with uh, an extended uh, rear rack, and you can have like one or two children on it. Mm. And it's two or three years ago, you c- couldn't see a single one on the streets and now it's quite popular so it's still it's changing quite quickly and that's a challenge now we have the the pioneers and we have the early adopters of this innovation the e-cargo bag and how could we extend uh, this practice to other social groups mm. and i think that there are several uh, measures um, it was interesting to see that 15% of the of the households uh, bought a second-hand uh, cargo bike. Mm. So if there is a second-hand market, maybe the price will go down. Mm-hmm. Um, then we still have a niche product. But if it's if the market is growing, you will have uh, more uh, shops. Uh, maybe you could have also a decrease in in prices. Um, cities or municipalities could give subsidy. Uh, for example, or uh, sharing can be an option. Uh, It's still quite rare, but you have uh, housing cooperatives, for example, and they have one or two cargo bikes for all their um, members. And that may may be also an idea to to follow. And many cities have bike share cargo bikes now where you can just pick them up off the street. Like you could get a like a, a you know a, a normal Velib style bicycle. It's a Velib, but with a cargo rack. Yes, there is such a system in Switzerland. It's not exactly like Velib. It's more like rental because um, you need to go to a to a shop or to a post office uh, to get the keys or the code. Uh, so you can't uh, have it in the night or in the evening, for example. But um, this system is quite important because it's it's complementary to cargo bike ownership. Uh, it's not really competition. It's complementary because um, you have people who who need less uh, a cargo bike, who have a more uh, punctual or less frequent use. Uh, it's also a way for some people who are reluctant to buy a cargo bike, which is like more expensive than a usual bike. Mm. They can give a try. And maybe more symbolically, it's important also to to normalize cargo bike. And when you see cargo bikes on the street or uh, next to the shop you go uh, shopping, that's also important. It's it gives an idea of a, of a, uh, a normal thing. But, mm. Yeah, but I also agree that it's like for now it's still something that not 
every household can afford, right? I mean, it's still quite a ex expensive product. Mm. So indeed, if you need uh, to right now choose between the car and a cargo bike, right? Uh, you may say, okay, I really need the car because some of the trips are too far or, or I don't feel safe currently in terms of infrastructure to have a cargo bike. So I think a lot of efforts will need to be done on making this also a more attractive alternative in terms of infrastructure, price. And and then I agree with Patrick, right? Then the more, of course, we will see them, the more uh, it will become attractive. But but there are still things to be done in terms of making this attractive. Now, I, I recognize that they are expensive and, and I recognize the perception is they're expensive. But when you look at the price of a car, and certainly the, the the how much you spend, even if it's a very cheap car, how much you spend on that car over the air, they are still a fraction of that. So yes, they're expensive, but they're nowhere near as expensive as a car. So as a socioeconomic thing, you could you could certainly save an awful lot of money as a family if you actually had one of these. I mean, doing inverted commas here, expensive cargo bikes. Hmm. We have the same debate about e-bikes, and actually, I think that um, maybe it's because we, we are not a high cycling country, so we still compare uh, e-bikes and cargo bikes with usual bike, mm. and maybe we should compare it with uh, well the, the 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 season ticket for buses or trains that we we save or that someone save or what a, a car or a second car costs. And of course, if you count everything, like not only the price of the car in itself, but also uh, car parking and all the maintenance and repair, uh, it can go up quite quickly. Mm. Now, at this point, I'd like to go across to my colleague in the US. Take it away, David. Hello, everyone. This is David from the Fredcast and, of course, the Spokesman. And I'm here once again to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn build bikes that make it easier for you to replace car trips with bike trips. Part of that is being committed to designing useful bikes that are also fun to ride. But an even greater priority for Turn is to make sure that your ride is safe and worry-free. And that's why Turn works with industry-leading third-party testing labs like EFBE and builds its bikes around Bosch e-bike systems, which are UL certified for both electric and fire safety. So before you even zip off on your Turn, fully loaded and perhaps with a loved one behind, you can be sure that the bike has been tested to handle the extra stresses on the frame and the rigors of the road. For more information, visit www.turnbicycles.com to learn more. And now, back to the spokesman. Thanks, David. And uh, we are back with Patrick and Virginie of uh, the University of Lausanne. And I'd like to ask you, uh, both of you, who wants to take this? Um, th this is a survey. Is this something that you're going to be doing annually, every two years, three years? Is this something you're going to be continuing? So this is something that will develop over time. We don't have a precise project, but, but it would be great to do it like in five years time uh, to see how things have changed. And I'm sure that in five years, a lot of, uh, I mean, it will increase and it will be very important, interesting to compare. And was there a baseline 
Was there a previous study that you could say, well, this is now increased by this much? Or are you the, the, is this the first such study that's been done? No, it's actually the first national one here in Switzerland. And in general, this is, this is also what, what, what exciting is that there are very few existing studies on the topic and it's still um, quite some empirical ones and so on. So I, I think those are learnings that we got. It's the first one. It's, of course, an imperfect one. But I agree with Patrick. It would be really nice to see a bit in five years how things have evolved and if, if we see differences. The, the, the only data we have on cargo bags in Switzerland, uh, that the sales of e-cargo bags, and it was uh, not even 400 in 2017. Mm. And last year, it was more than 4,000. Um, so it's, it means that something that was really unusual uh, five, five years ago. No, it's not usual. I, I, I wouldn't say that. But it's um, you don't turn around your head anymore if you see a, mm -hmm. a, a long tail or a cargo bag. Mm -hmm. It's not something exceptional. It's still rare, but not exceptional. Mm. And just putting your, your maybe your non-scientific hat on here, because I'm, I'm going to be asking you about what you think is going to happen in the future. But do you think that trajectory, that that very very steep growth trajectory, do you think that's going to continue, or do you think we are bottoming out and it'll it'll become less steep in the next five years? So imagine your study in five years' time, if you've got one. Where do you think you will be? I, I personally, I hope that uh, it, it will become way more accessible for many people to have a cargo bikes and that we we did well in the substitution effect, right? So, but but of course, it, it depends on policymakers, on the changes in terms of infrastructure. Mm. Um, but I, I think the willingness is there now. We, we need to, yeah. So so let, 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 let's circle back on that because in in the the the, the preamble on your report uh, it, it does say um uh, that that it rem the practice remains fragile due to the cycling environment and uh, you can imagine if you've got you know two three children in a you mm -hmm. know a copenhagen box bike um a mm -hmm. christiana box bike type thing you are going to be hyper hyper aware of your surroundings, you know, with with the danger, even perhaps more so than you would as an individual on a bicycle. Yeah. So clearly, if you're taking very, very precious cargo on the streets, you're going to be advocating for safer streets. So can cargo mm -hmm. bikes actually, and the people who are on them now, if they are the, the privileged class, could that lead to safer streets in the future? Hopefully. I'm... <laughs> Uh, I, I think it, the, the safety and the infrastructure, I mean, we have seen it in this study, but this is something that is already true for e-bike or standard bike, right? That if you want, if you want to favor the, the use of bikes, cargo bike, e-bike, then you need to also make sure that people feel safe. Um, and if you want to see this substitution effect, I also think that it means you need to rethink a bit, um, how to share the available space, right? Road space. Mm. Uh, right now, I still that there are many streets that are still fully dedicated to to cars while we are trying to to reduce. So I, I think there is a bit of a, a nonsense there. 
Yeah, safety is even more an issue when you carry children. I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, more than sixty percent of uh, our interviewees said they they adapt their route when they carry children, and uh, that's quite a lot. So it shows that uh, everything is far from being perfect. Mm. Um, so that's a, lim- a limiting factor. Um, at, at least in, now in in Switzerland, but it also raises not only the question of uh, of infrastructure. That's of course important, but uh, with cargo bikes, you need also wider infrastructure, and because um, these cargo bikes will go with uh, regular bikes, e bikes, uh, different speed, different size, and there is also something that is. Um, less spoken about um, in the political debate, that's uh, parking spaces. Mm. Um, in many uh, dense or historical uh, neighborhoods, you don't really have the s- space to, to, to store your cargo bag. Mm. And you, you hesitate before uh, leaving it by, at night uh, on the street. So I think that um, parking spaces is also an important issue. So bike hangers, you know, so you think municipalities should be installing secure compounds? Yes, maybe, and that's maybe, something... Maybe where car parking spaces were before, you could have, in the UK, they're called bike hangers, and you could exactly. put them in there. Yeah, I saw that when I was in, in London uh, a few months ago, and I think that's something that is missing uh, in Switzerland. And when you have a cargo bike, you, you it's the same also for e-bike. Um, it has to be easily accessible, but you have also to protect it from um, uh, theft or uh, weather conditions. And the 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 width, because the, the, obviously there are very different kinds of cargo bikes out there. So the ones we've been talking about so far, are like the Christiana bike, they yeah, as you said, they're wide, but then the long tails are very thin. So they're all they're mm-hmm. each going to have their own. A niches and 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 B requirements on the streets, aren't they? Yes, they are different, but they have also some common requirements, like safety, uh, wide cycle lanes. So um, all these are um, additional reasons to uh, to consider cycling uh, the way when we design streets, for example. And then the motivations of somebody who are taking children to school or to kindergarten is one thing. But then you've got the other uh, huge uh, part of cargo bike riding, of course, is the last mile delivery and getting white van man off the streets. And so it's a cargo bike instead of a a white van. So what uh, have you discovered on um, the efficiencies of cargo bikes compared to, say, a big truck or, or a van? I mean, in urban logistics, you see this more and more, right? In the discussion that you would replace uh, trucks by cargo bikes because you can access uh, streets that are uh, congested and also in terms of cause of uh, emissions and so on. Um, so the study we did, we did was to try to understand a bit uh, what would be the willingness of young uh, students around here to to pay or to walk to a pickup uh, collection or to pay extra money to be delivered by cargo bikes, and it seems they would be willing to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but then in terms of urban logistics, yeah, I think it's a very interesting debate because uh, in Switzerland, we still don't see them very much for urban deliveries. While if you take Paris, for instance, um, they are quite used for deliveries. And so the question becomes also the infrastructure, the landscape. Um, but yeah, the potential for urban logistics is also, of course, quite uh, important. Uh, well, thank you both very much for talking about uh, your study. Where where can people find this study um, on online? Where can where can people actually access it? Um, it's on a website of the University of Lausanne. Uh, if you Google the potential of cargo bikes, University of Lausanne, you will find it. Okay, and can you give us uh, your contact details? Anybody who's listening to this who wants to either talk to Patrick or to Virginie and they want to, to contact you, either social media or email. How, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, yes, social LinkedIn, of course, Virginie Lurquin on LinkedIn, or it's virginie.lurquin uh, at unil.ch for the email address. And Patrick? Yeah, Patrick uh, Rera or Rirat. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter as well, and I would be happy to, to connect with uh, other people interested in cargo bikes. Thanks to Patrick Rirat and Virginie Lurkin there, and thanks to you for listening to episode 335 of the Spokesman Podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycles. Show notes and more can be found at the-spokesman.com next episode will be out in August. But meanwhile, get out there and ride.